MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is The Edge with Jonathan Von Tobel and Matt Humans on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. What's up, folks? Welcome into another edition of one of your favorite shows here on the network. They're all your favorite shows. It is The Edge on VSIN. We got a good show on tap today. Two smart hoops heads are going to join us, professional and collegiate. Uh, Aaron Renning's going to be with us in 15 minutes. We'll discuss uh, what he was looking at here on the first day back from the All-Star break. Of course, NBA action resumes today. We'll get some insight from ER on that coming up in 15. And then in 30, Jim Root, writer, co-host of the Three Man Weave podcast. You can find him on the Field of 64 uh, Field 68, excuse me, uh, their best bets pod that's just pretty much daily. I think they take like, uh, I'll say like Fridays and Sundays off, whatever. Uh, Jim will tell us when he joins us in 30 minutes. We have a lot to discuss, including I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Jim this question. Jim and I might actually be friends. We broke bread over the weekend. Yeah, had a couple of libations. It was a lot of fun. Uh, all right, so let's begin with what we saw last night. And, and in reality, too, so uh, Providence and Xavier was was bleeping awesome. Um to an extent. So triple overtime, 99 to 92. Providence gets it done again. I tweeted this out. You know, it's, it's the, uh, have you ever seen Breaking Bad, right? The, uh, is it Jesse Pinkman, the character's name, where he, he screams he can't keep getting away with this, right, when it comes to high, like, it, that's Providence. Providence continues to get away with murder in some of these contests. And again, last night in triple overtime, pulls away in that final overtime period, 99 to 92. I will let you guess if the game went over the total of 136 and a half. Uh, but the game had everything, right? It had officiating, as always. Uh, it had slick floors. It had stoppages. It had buzzer beaters. Um, it was an extremely well-played game. Having said that, as we move forward here, and this is really what I wanted to touch on, because I laid one with Providence yesterday, and that was dicey. Pretty much trailing the entire way until you can force overtime down the stretch against Xavier. But it is, it's a joke when it comes to the, uh, you know, he can't keep getting away with this. But at the same time, you do wonder if Providence can keep getting away with some of these nail biters. Think about this. This is now three out of the last four games for Providence that have gone to overtime. This is now triple overtime for them. And I tell you, now coming up on Saturday, two days from now, uh, you have Creighton, which is going to be a pretty tough match of Creighton. Right now, 64th in Ken Palm, but has won six consecutive games, coming off of a uh, really solid win over St. John's just yesterday as well. So this is a pretty interesting spot as you move forward here for Providence. Big picture-wise, I'm not sure how much I believe in Providence in terms of contending for a, um, a national championship, right? Uh, at some point, too, I mean, there's, it's actually, and maybe it's not even fair to do so. I mean, last night, offensive rating on 117.4 in that contest. Uh, I think a hey, subpar job. 
defensively for the most part, but still, if you're averaging 1.17 points per possession, you're going to get it done. There's just, to me, there lacks a sticking power when I watch this team. But there is something to be said for consistently winning games. They now move to within the top 50 in terms of Ken Palm numbers, too. So kudos to Providence, but already have Saturday circled. That's a pretty big, not even a letdown spot. It is hard, again, to have three out of four games go to overtime. So essentially, uh, you have played five overtime periods in the last four games. You lost that game to Villanova, then you come back here. So we'll see if that is indeed going to be a letdown against a Creighton team that is catching fire. Uh, But the game of the night last night, and we missed out too, by the way. I mean, by the time the game was over, got to see like the last five minutes of Colorado State-Wyoming, which ended up being a pretty good and late finish as Wyoming covered, If you depending on what the number you got, like six and a half, you got that hook, you were in. But that's worth mentioning and also worth mentioning from yesterday. And you say this all the time, right? If we know it, they know it. And what I mean by that is if we know about something, then the odds makers know about it. It's not that hard. It's not that big of a concept or hard that concept to realize, right? So then you get to yesterday and you hear everybody and their mothers, Rutgers, 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 kind of probably these absences baked into the number. But sure enough, Michigan goes out yesterday, has a strong second half, outscores Rutgers 39-32, to wins up winning 71-62 to and covering that five-point spread. And it seemed that Rutgers was a pretty popular play. Like, hey, man, these absences, it's going to be a pretty big deal. And this is an interesting note, and I wanted to talk to Jim Root about this because you know he's got a better eye for watching college hoops than I do. But I mentioned when we were talking about this game yesterday briefly that some of the uh, some of these uh, analytical sites like Hoop Explorer, uh, which is a pretty good site that Jim turned me on to, if you looked at the numbers with the Abate off of the floor, uh, Michigan in terms of their net rating was better. Not to say that they're a better team, but statistically with their net rating, they were just a better team. So I wonder how much of that transpired yesterday when you saw that. But ultimately, Rutgers on the road again continues to scuffle three and eight uh, against the spread in eleven true road games up to this point this season. But uh, just, uh, I guess, let's say better seemed to took one on the chin yesterday uh, because it was all about Rutgers in this spot, catching Michigan after the brouhaha against Wisconsin. And sure enough, uh, as we all expected, Michigan goes out, wins, covers, and takes this thing by nine points. So got a lot of really good contests later today. Uh, we'll get on all of those with Jim Root coming up in about uh, 25 minutes from now. But let's talk a little bit about the association, which returns tonight. Uh, we get a pretty good card later today uh, and there's been quite a bit of movement on these opening numbers let's start with the game so I haven't bet this and I know the ER is going to be in on this but let's talk about 571 572 Boston and Brooklyn because this is a pretty fascinating uh, pretty fascinating game especially once you consider uh, the overnight or yesterday when these numbers were hung Celtics actually opened up as a four-point favorite against the Brooklyn Nets now we're up to nine uh, because everybody and their mother again uh, looking at this from the standpoint of, hey, when these two teams met last time, it was an absolute beatdown in favor of the Boston Celtics. And it was. You remember, they were off to that 28-2 start, ultimately destroying the 126-91. to We'll never forget Inez Freedom Cantor uh, killing me, uh, get losing that under by the hook because Cantor in the waning seconds uh, got a wide-open corner three-point shot. Nobody wanted to defend him because everybody wanted to go home, and he hits it for the game to go over by the hook. But look. The Celtics have been performing extremely well. Going into the break, 11-2 and two straight up, 8-4-1 against the spread. The injury question marks that they had going into the break, both Marcus Smart and Robert Williams didn't even appear on the injury report for this game, so they're fully healthy as well. Derek White, the addition to the team, who has been absolutely tremendous for them, so you can make the argument that maybe that's the difference here. But what, is, what bothers me a little bit about this is, opened up 213.5, 
went up to 214 and a half. And that's currently where we stand right now. Kind of wanted to play it under mainly because, look, Boston has been incredible defensively. So there's that aspect that works, right? Against Brooklyn, part of the reason why I played it under the first time around was didn't think the Nets were going to be able to score at an, uh, an efficient pace offensively. And that was clearly the case when you only score 91 points in an NBA game. Uh, but the other part of this is, despite the fact that Boston has been rolling, right, over these last 13 games, uh, you know, one of the best net ratings in the NBA, all of these things, their offense continues to be somewhat disjointed, right? We can name example after example. Uh, if for the Atlanta game, uh, the weekend before the All-Star break, where they get off to a slow start in the first half, end up winning because they hold the Hawks to under a point per possession. Still during this 13-game stretch, uh, about 16th in offensive efficiency and non-garbage time minutes. So there's that that's kind of working against them. And I also just think that from the competitive nature standpoint of Brooklyn, you know, they are better than they were last time around. I mean, Seth Curry and Andre Drummond are part of this team. And if you look at some of the numbers, uh, Curry on the floor, how about this? Uh, plus 19.9, 117.9 offensive rating in those minutes. Him and Patty Mills together, plus 18.3 net rating. So I kind of figured the Nets would be a little bit more competitive. This would still be a lower scoring game. Uh, the market has kind of moved off the 214.5 and a half and 214. But we'll ask uh, ER about both sides in total here because I just think – to close this, which it looks like it's going to, the exact same number as the first time around, although there was a significant addition to the net side, uh, just kind of raises a little bit of a red flag. But we'll see what happens ultimately with this closing number, and we'll see what ER thinks with this one as well. Uh, let's go to the top of the rotation, too, because this is a really interesting game as well. The uh, Cleveland Cavaliers and the Detroit Pistons. And I was actually kind of surprised because initially, not only does this open 7.5, it got as high as 8 uh, before coming back down to six. And the reason why, not only would this side move in favor of Detroit, but the total would move down from 213.5 to 209, is the fact that the Cleveland Cavaliers starting backcourt is not playing. Darius Garland, Karis LeVert are not going to be available today. So J.B. Bickerstaff likely going to roll out like Brandon Goodwin. Isaac Okoro has been their backcourt pairing before. Uh, you have Rajon Rondo that obviously can play some minutes at point guard two. Uh, but it's a little troublesome. If you put... Brandon Goodwin, Isaac Okoro, and Dean Wade at one through three, which they have done in the games in which Darius Garland has not played. Well, the Cavaliers are actually minus 13.5 per 100 possessions. Their offensive rating in those games are just 105.4, I shouldn't say, in those games with those lineups out there. And it's a small sample size, but the offense just hasn't been good. And so it's kind of surprising to see the initial support for Cleveland, but ultimately I think the market got it right here. And keep in mind the Pistons pretty much as healthy as possible. Cade Cunningham is back. Jeremy Grant's been back in the lineup for the entire month of February. Frank Jackson, who has missed 15 out of the last 25 games for the All-Star break, is going to be back in the lineup too. He's listed as probable. We know how good Sadiq Bey is as well. And remember Detroit, I mean, they've shown they can at least catch some of their opponents in some of these poor situations, right? Uh, right before the All-Star break, they caught Boston after that beat down in Philadelphia on the second leg of a back-to-back and won that game outright. So seems like it's one of those. So uh, in agreement with the market move, we'll talk more about this in best bets, but Detroit in a sneaky position here. And the other game that I cannot wait to talk to ER about because he's the totals whiz. So Phoenix and Oklahoma City, Cameron Payne was expected to be back after the All-Star break, uh, but he is not. He's not going to play today. Ten and a half is a spread with a total of 219 right now. Uh, the market is totally in here on the Phoenix Suns. As some overnight spots had this as low as seven and a half or eight. So you can see where we're at at this point right now. But I'm really curious. I talked about this on the podcast, Hardwood Handicappers, brought this up with humans, and I'm not going to play it here because the market has completely moved in the opposite direction I initially thought it was going to. But I, I thought that there was a chance the Suns would be more of an under team as we kind of move forward without Chris Paul. 
right? He he does the, the, he does slow the offense down to a certain extent. Although there are numbers to dictate that when Devin Booker's actually out there without Chris Paul, the pace slows down. But it could be an edict for Monty Williams coming out of the break that maybe they speed things up here. Their half court efficiency goes in the tank without Chris Paul and without campaign. You're talking about your point guard lineup now being Alfred Payton and Aaron Holiday, the latter of whom you just got for some money right at the trade deadline. So I just wonder if this is going to be a disjointed effort from the Suns offensively against, remember, the 12th best team in the NBA in terms of defensive rating, which is the Oklahoma City Thunder. So uh, this this game we're going to talk to ER about in detail here because I know he's got a side um, that he wanted to play. But I'm fascinated to see what the Phoenix Suns without Chris Paul look like, especially against, while some might think that they are the lowly Oklahoma City Thunder, they've been a competitive bunch. And Shea Gilders-Alexander back on the floor tonight makes them pretty competitive. But no Lou Dort, no Kenrich Williams, and no Jeremiah Robinson Earl, which could be affecting why this total is going the way that it is. So there's a lot more games in the association, including a really big one, a potential 2-7 matchup, right? Memphis and Minnesota. We'll talk about that game, and we'll talk about much more. Aaron Rennie, professional handicapper, is going to join us to break it all down next here on The Edge. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Edge on VSN, the sports betting network.
Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com. Check the current betting splits data. This new feature is going to give you insights on where the money and the bets are moving for every game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. Data is available for money line over, under, and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way. VSIN's here to make you smarter, better year round. Check it out today. Betting splits for every game at vsin.com. That includes, of course, NBA. So let's dive into it. The, as some call it, second half is underway tonight, although there's only 22 games left for some teams. So it's not the second half. It's more like the last quarter. Uh, Aaron Redding is nice enough to give us some time to break down the first day of action in the association. ER, good to talk to you, buddy. How you feeling? How was the all-star break? You charged up? You ready to get back into it? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, good to be with you, uh, JVT. Um, yeah, I, I certainly do like the expanded uh, all-star break that uh, they, I guess they changed a few years ago, so you get a little extra downtime. But you're right, it is. A little bit curious is, you know, the all-star break, but you're right. I mean, 75% of the regular season pretty much in the books. Yep. Uh, these uh, six, seven weeks are going to go lightning quick, and a lot is going to get decided in the next six to seven weeks. All right, so let's dive right in. Uh, I wanted to uh, jump off from the game that I was talking about before we went to break and get your thoughts on it, uh, and I think you do have an opinion here. So Phoenix at Oklahoma City. Uh, we saw this total really climb early this morning, if you were paying attention to the numbers. Uh, got up to as high as 219.5, which is pretty much where it's at right now, so that's the peak. Uh, over night and uh, the day before it opened about 213 and I think you're in on this over here so walk us through because I kind of thought ER that coming into the uh, post all-star break Suns version I thought they were going to actually be more of an under team but clearly I think the market and you feel a little differently at least in this spot so walk us through it uh well it, it's I, I think this Phoenix uh Suns team is going to be really you know very interesting here mm-hmm. the rest of the regular season from you know I would say more from a, a betting standpoint, uh, if you will, obviously Phoenix, um, you know, number one team in the Western conference, a six and a half game lead, uh, over golden state. I, I, I just, you know, the numbers are not going to be quite be there for, for Chris Paul, but I mean, I, I really feel like he should be mentioned more, um, as an MVP candidate, you know, out the window, obviously at this point now is he's probably going to miss the rest of the regular season. But I, I think he's just really incredibly valuable to this team. So I'm interested to see how um, they are, they're going to be bet and how it's going to be uh, in the market here. Uh, obviously, you know, kind of the big change here uh, without him at point guard, how they're going to play and Cameron Payne expected to be back, but he's not yep. uh, going to be available here. So, um, and, and of course, uh, obviously what kind of pace, uh, they're going to play here. I, I think certainly with pain, you would see a, a little bit or a lot, quite a bit more tempo. You know, I think one thing that people are a little bit unaware of Phoenix has played at a, at a faster tempo really throughout the year than they uh, for used to. So obviously keep an eye on the point guard position. I'm probably looking to bet against Phoenix, but I think it's a little twofold here. I, I think the, you know, without Chris Paul, I, I think they actually lose a little bit uh, or quite a bit on defense as well without, and of course, uh, Gilgis Alexander here back, uh, for the Thunder, so some more offensive firepower uh, for them as well. So it was a little bit twofold. Uh, yeah, certainly on the over in this game and uh, lean to the Thunder. Yeah, for those who don't know, the uh, Suns actually seventh in pace this season. Uh, they are well mm-hmm. into the top ten in terms of pace this year. So I think that would surprise a lot. But Chris Paul is also actually uh, pretty good in transition because he makes brilliant outlet passes to right. start fast breaks. So we'll see what the drop-off is. Uh, fascinated by it. All right, 
Let's go to Eastern Conference, Boston, Brooklyn. So when these two teams met about two and a half, three weeks ago, ER, uh, I bet under 216 and a half. You and I talked about this on that day, actually. Oh, yeah. uh, and then Ines Freedom Cantor burned me with a garbage three uh, within the waning seconds to go over the total by a hook because they were getting smacked by the Celtics. What do you make of this in terms of the total? And also, uh, from a side perspective, I found it kind of curious that this is back up to nine, the closing number the first time around, although these Nets now have Seth Curry and Andre Drummond on the floor. Uh, yeah, I, you know, of course, that game on uh, February the 8th, uh, not that long ago, and I remember I did have a bet on Boston in that game. Also, uh, I had a bet on the under uh, the total. That was a tough, uh, tough one to go down uh, there as well. So, and, and I had been betting Boston just about every game uh, so far in February uh, where they had won, you know, what they win about almost double digit games in a row before they had that. Uh, one bad car, the, you know, the bad performance, uh, losing to Detroit yep. as a 12 point favorite, uh, without Marcus smart, uh, in that game, I kind of had the buy sign on both of these teams right now. And, and like I say, you know, the Boston was having so much success, uh, you know, maybe the all-star break it kind of at the bad time for that. So I kind of want to see one game, uh, from them here, but I, I think the nets, um, you know, with or without Kyrie and with or without Durant, uh, I think this team will come together. Obviously, Harden uh, somewhat holding this team uh, hostage, if you will, not giving a, a 100% effort. So I think you could see this team come together as a team. So may, be able to make some money here on the Nets. But uh, I did bet this game under uh, the total once again. So uh, hopefully it uh, won't come down to the end. All right, let's go to Chicago. And Atlanta, an important game for both teams. Chicago wants to stay and keep pace with Miami in the race for the first overall seed in the Eastern Conference. And Atlanta, uh, still the 10th seed in the Eastern Conference. So they have a, a very, very slim margin of error here. So in two matchups, Atlanta had uh, no shot in stopping this Bulls offense. You get Levine back on the floor with DeRozan. Those offensive pairings have been pretty good for Chicago. Uh, but they haven't been good defensively since they lost Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso. So what are you looking at here? Because the side has moved in favor of the Hawks. Opened up four now we're at three with a total of 240 and a half. Yeah, I bet the Hawks side here, JVT. And, you know, really it's it's somewhat simplistic, if you will. I mean, these games are just monster uh, for Atlanta now as we move into the second half of the season. Obviously, uh, this is a team that had a, a great charge uh, to close the season last year. Right now, 10th, or I guess tied for 10th uh, in the play-in tournament uh, in the Eastern Conference. A disappointing 28 uh, and 30 straight up so far, but you know, you could see this team really turning the corner uh, definitely at times so far uh, in February, obviously back-to-back uh, -back wins against Cleveland and Orlando to go in uh, to the break bothers me a little bit without Collins. Uh, I am a fan of him on the floor. They, they but they're pretty deep uh, regardless. So uh, I don't think it's the, the end all be all for this team. I'll give credit to the Chicago Bulls. I mean, I'd been definitely lost some money on them as they had won five straight covered a uh, number of games before the break as well. But as you mentioned, JVT, this team uh, still not the same uh, defensively without ball and Caruso uh, in that backcourt. So I think the uh, Hawks can get the, the win here tonight. 
All right, so before the All-Star break, one of the pleasant surprises, the Trailblazers. Uh, they win and cover their last four games going into the break. And I think they caught a couple of teams, right? Milwaukee, Memphis, that are like, man, we're really freaking good. And we have like a six-day layoff here. Like, let's just get out of here and, and get some days off. And big news over the weekend, which was kind of slept on because we're in the middle of the break ER. Uh, but Yusuf Nurkic lost for four weeks with plantar fasciitis. Mm-hmm. That's a massive blow for Portland. During that four-game stretch, he averaged 21 and a half and 14 in terms of points and rebounds. Now they're center rotation uh, is atrocious. It's Drew Eubanks and Trendon Watford. It does not look like this team is going to be scoring efficiently anytime soon, uh, but this total up to 227 between the Warriors and the Blazers. Yeah, you know, it was Portland really interesting before the break where, you know, they seem, you know, seemed like it was pretty much going to write the season off yep. uh, after they trade CJ McCollum to the Pelicans, but all of a sudden they win four straight, cover four straight games uh, as underdogs against the Lakers, Knicks, uh, Milwaukee uh, and Memphis. So some of it was just scheduling. I think some was the other team just kind of taking them lightly, but uh, give them credit for what they were able to do on the floor. Uh, and yeah, here we get another blow as they lose Nurkic. You're right. And it's interesting, you know, kind of from an offense defensive standpoint, how he's going to be factored uh, into the point spread. So it looks uh, like, um, you know, the market doesn't think that he's good. They're going to miss him that much. Uh, from an offensive standpoint, doesn't happen very often, JVT, but uh, I got a bad number here. I bet uh, this uh, under the total this morning, um, and boy, it's really gone against me here some more. So I have to say I like the other. I, I just I'm really surprised how well Portland scored those last two games, yep. uh, 123 and 122. Remember Winslow back in the fold. He's more of an, uh, a defensive guy or, or not much of an offensive weapon as well. So. Uh, I'd just be really surprised. And again, Golden State, and certainly they had dropped off defensively. Uh, The defensive numbers were pretty bad going into the break, but uh, expect them to be a little bit better uh, from a a defensive standpoint coming out of the break as well. So uh, I thought, I think it's a pretty good underplay. Yep, I would agree. All right, last 45 seconds. Any other buy on teams that you were looking at heading out of the break? Um, yeah, I mean, like I certainly had mentioned a, a few of them here. I, I think Sacramento's interesting. Obviously, mm-hmm. they made some trades trying to go for go for it here. I, I bet on them a couple of times uh, losing uh, on the road and just kind of disappointed, kind of typical Sacramento uh, losing to Chicago and, and Brooklyn, embarrassed by Brooklyn. Uh, but I still, you know, think you can maybe make some money with this team. Uh, against uh, in some of these matchups, and I did not bet them here tonight. Yeah, catching about five against uh, the Denver Nuggets, who, by the way, are rumors are uh, one Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray on the verge of returning. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if that's going to happen uh, for the Denver Nuggets. Er, good to talk to you, man. Good luck tonight. Absolutely. Hey, thanks. Yep, good you got luck. it. All right, uh, let's stay on the hardwood. Jim Root's going to join us next. Discuss a little collegiate basketball, including Gonzaga taking on the Dons later tonight. Is it a challenge? This is The Edge on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you missed out on any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. You can catch replays of all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to vsin.com slash podcast. Get Coast to Coast Hoops. Greg Hoops Peterson is going to look at every major and some of the minor college basketball games on the upcoming schedule to find betting opportunities. Also, beating the book to Gil Alexander, Market Insights, Josh Applebaum, Hardwood Handicappers, which with myself. Also expanding, by the way, two-hour show starting on Sunday nights. Check that out, 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific time starting this weekend. Follow the money, my guys in the desert, and many more. All free and available now, vsin.com slash podcast. 
Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And I cannot recommend enough uh, the near daily field of 68 best bets pod uh, with the guys from the three-man weave, one of which is joining us now, Jim Root, who's nice enough to give us some time today. Uh, and I can confirm, and we talked about this this weekend, he is not just a head in a box. Jim has a body, and he's a full-fledged human being because we broke bread this weekend. What's up, buddy? Yeah. That's debatable, but yeah, you do have some actual uh, in-person proof. I, I, I walk around, I, I speak. It, it actually, uh, I, I went to a real live basketball game, so we, we enjoyed that this weekend. Yeah, yes, we did, and UNLV continues to impress another win. Uh, and now Desmond Cambridge was a late scratch, so you take it with a grain of salt, but uh, a good win over Nevada. So I actually wanted to talk about results, but I wanted to go back to last night, and um, it's about two things that we saw yesterday, first of which is just like – I made the joke, right? It's like the the Jesse Pinkman from Breaking Bad. Like, he can't just keep getting away with this, and that would be Providence, right? Like, triple overtime (laughs) victory uh, again yesterday over Xavier. Like, every time I watch it, I'm like, like, can you keep doing this? Can you keep winning games like this? This is three out of the last four games that have gone to overtime, Jim. They played five overtime periods in the last four games. I have circled Creighton for this weekend, but what do you just make of Providence as a whole? It's it's nuts. They're eleven and one in games decided by five or less or overtime this year. Like it, it, they they seem to be invincible in these late game uh, situations. I said last night they could do the Aaron Rodgers cleanse and they still wouldn't get all of the the lucky horseshoes <laughs> out of their butts right now. Like it, it's it's incredible. Some of it is luck. Like I think even Providence fans would would admit that. But they also you know they've got some big time shot makers. Clearly Jared Bynum and Al Durham and AJ Reeves are not afraid of the moment. Nate Watson makes, he gets an offensive rebound for a putback in like the final 90 seconds of every single game I watch for them. So they, they do some things very well at the end of games, but it is really playing with fire. If that's your strategy going into the NCAA tournament is we're going to win the final two minutes of every game. You're probably not going to get very far. You're going to play a lot of good teams that can make clutch shots too. So they, they, I think need to figure out another gear going forward. Uh, That Creighton game you mentioned over the weekend I would have loved to bet Creighton, but they just lost their point guard to a wrist injury last night, so yeah. I might stay away, sadly. Yeah, we'll see what the, what that brings. Right now, the projection would be about a five-point victory for Providence because they are playing at the dunk, so we'll see if that, that transpires. The other thing, too, really quickly, because you and I were DMing yesterday, talked about how Dibate, at least from a statistical standpoint, right, uh, on a Hoop Explorer, said that they were better with him off the floor. Lo and behold, yesterday, Michigan, of course, takes care of business, uh, wins by nine, covers the spread. What would you see from Michigan yesterday? Was it that, or was it, hey, you know what, Rutgers has kind of been poor, in true road spots, and that just kind of transpired with the Wolverines yesterday. We need some uh, some on-off numbers for Juwan Howard now too. Yeah. The, the Michigan looking real good without him, but that's part of you know building a great staff. He, he has some excellent coaches on the sideline there to take over. Yeah, they looked really good yesterday. It was I think it was a pretty good spot for them. Backs against the wall. Like I, I think a lot of like every everyone I saw that had a bet on that game was Rutgers. It was kind of like a oh foregone conclusion. Michigan, no coach, missing a starter. They're done, and instead they got the big win they needed. Rutgers has struggled away from the rack, not as good on the road, despite their win at Wisconsin earlier this year. That was only one game. So it was a good performance from Michigan, not something I'm taking a ton away from going forward. Uh, I want to see them prove it a, a couple more times before we really comfortably let them in the NCAA tournament. All right, well, speaking of not comfortably, but in the NCAA tournament and playing tonight, so walk me through the impression of San Francisco because I, I kind of don't get it. Right, like they're 24th by Ken Palm numbers. They are in the tournament field at this point by a couple of uh, bracketologist experts, and uh, they are catching 10 at home. I kind of feel like Gonzaga comes out and waxes them, but but what do you make of this matchup in San Francisco as a whole in their resume? Because I, I just kind of don't get it at this point. 
Yeah, they did a lot of work early on. They did did well in the non-conference. They scheduled really smartly. A lot of the games they got are kind of just sneaking into Q2 or sneaking into Q1, which is, has made them look maybe a little better than they are. They've blown out some teams, which helped that Ken Palm rank you mentioned up in the top 25. Uh, but they've blown big games recently to BYU, to St. Mary's, the, the tougher teams in that league. Now they take on Gonzaga, a team they've competed with fairly well in, in historical uh, matchups. Back in 2020, they nearly beat the Zags twice. But you can only get so far with a good game plan against the Zags team. They're, they're too talented, they're too big, and they have like the rim protection element with Chet Holmgren is just such a different gear, something they haven't had in the past. So I think San Francisco maybe sticks around for a little bit, but eventually Gonzaga hits the gas pedal, extends kind of like they did in Spokane when San Francisco stuck around for a half, but then lost by 16. Yeah. The thing that bothers me too about them, uh, you can lead the West coast conference in three point rate, but you are shooting like 32% from three, 33% from three. Uh, like at some point you got to adjust, don't you? Like you're not shooting the ball. Well, yeah, I think this is a, a, a thing I criticize Alabama for is if your, your style is to bomb threes and get to the rim, you better have good shooters. And some of these Don's guys can be good shooters, but they've been really up and down. They're, they're three key guards, Stefanini, Bouye and Shabazz basically haven't played well in the same game yet this year, or at least recently, if they get all three of those guys to knock down shots and play well tonight, then they can hang around. But it's just so hard to ask all three of those guys to have big games on the same night. Yep. All right, let's go a, a little bit further down the board. Uh, the Racers of Murray State in a pretty big matchup here against Belmont. Uh, what do you make of this? Right now, uh, odds-wise, Murray State laying three with a total of 144 and a half. Yeah, I was surprised at this number. Uh, Ken Palm's got this game at six. Murray State won by 15 in the first meeting at Belmont. Kind of blew him out, made eight threes in the first 12 minutes, and there was never really a doubt so I thought we'd see something up around five or six was maybe going to look at Belmont in that case, but I'm staying away here, almost even leaning towards Murray state on that number. Belmont really struggles with high level athletes and depth. And that's what Murray state throws at them repeatedly got real size inside to contend with Musinski Belmont's key center. So I think this is just kind of a bad matchup for Belmont as much as the spot sets up well for them, the revenge and, and trying to get a big one to get in the bubble because they're not going to be the one seed in the conference tournament. So the Bruins are trying to find the, the at large route. I just think Murray state's better and, and a bad matchup for them. Yep. All right, let's go to the big 10. Uh, so one of the teams that I've been able to watch a little bit closer over the last couple of weeks uh, has been Ohio state. And I can't say that I'm overly impressed. Uh, you lose the home game to Iowa. Then you come back and you'd overtime to dispatch Indiana at home as well. Now you're hitting the road. You take on Illinois. The market's on the, uh, the Illini here. It's up from six to seven total. Hasn't really budged. Uh, but I, I kind of agree with the market. You know, I thought Illinois would be the side here in the market, at least moving in that direction. Some spots, by the way, as high as seven and a half. Uh, would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I would. Ohio State, I mean, they got they got away with one against Indiana. They were down in the final 40 seconds, basically put on a, the Hoosiers put on a masterclass of blowing a game at the end there. Ohio State benefited from that. Now on the road against an Illinois team that I really respect, uh, one, one very important factor with this is EJ Liddell, Ohio state, all American forward is dealing with illness and might not play. I, I kind of think he won't, uh, if people want to jump on this, I bet this closes, if he's out, it could close up around nine, maybe even North of that. He's that important to them. So you probably get some line value if you're playing Illinois now, and he ends up sitting this one with his illness. I already leaned towards Illinois, so that was enough for me to, to put something in on this minus seven line here with the Illini. All right, uh, let's go Pac-12 because this one interests me just because in like recently before 
I guess you can call it maybe a bad beat. We'll call it a rough beat. Arizona State's pretty competitive against UCLA, right? Then you get the late buckets at the end of that game. Depending on what number it is, you don't cover that. Uh, they're here against Colorado. Like I said, Sun Devils have been playing pretty well outside of that UCLA game. Now they're up to a six-point underdog with a total of about 135 and a half. So the market on the side of the Buffaloes here, do you think that's the right move? Well, first, I appreciate you walking lightly around that Arizona State game because I had 14 and a half in one place and 13 and a half yeah. in another. So it was either a tough win or a, a brutal loss. Uh, but yeah, this one, I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time figuring out ASU. I think they've gotten up for some really big spots against UCLA, against their cross town or cross state rival in Arizona. Now going to altitude after playing some some games in a row, some good games in a row, I could see this being a little bit of a letdown. I think my favorite angle with this is if Arizona state does play well, I'm going to fade the heck out of them on Saturday in the second leg of the mountain trip. When they go to Utah, that that's always really, really tough. Those teams that play back to back at altitude, the ATS numbers back it up too. If you're playing that Utah, then Colorado or vice versa, it's tough to cover both those games. All right, man, we got 90 seconds. Uh, anything else on the big board today that has stuck out from a value standpoint that we did not touch on? Uh, I love Portland tonight. Staying right. in the West Coast Conference. Uh, we, we talked Gonzaga, San Francisco. This one's a little further down the the board for them, but I think Portland uh, should not be a dog on the road to to Pacific. Portland's been excellent this month. If you filter Bart Torvik for just February, Portland's a top 100 team, which is crazy. They, they've been a lot better this month. They had the win over San Francisco that might keep the Dons out of the tournament. They don't love that one, but I think the Pilots have found something. They're really clicking with their new coach, Shante Leggins. And Pacific has has struggled. They they have not really improved that much despite the win over BYU. Their coach leaving for the Celtics staff in the offseason really, really hurt them. So I like Portland quite a bit there. I, I think they win maybe comfortably five to ten points. We don't have to worry about uh, anything close towards the end there. Yeah, I'm probably holding that Portland win or yeah over San Francisco maybe too much against them because you're right, uh, Portland has been showing out pretty well lately. All right, man. Hey, it's good to talk to you. You're on the network pretty much every time. And uh, the podcast, Best Bats Field of uh, 68, check that out. I listen to it almost every single day. Watch it every day, too, on YouTube. Good to talk to you, man. Yeah, appreciate it. I'll be hosting After Dark on Sirius XM Radio tonight, 11 p.m. Eastern, Channel 84. Check it out, Channel 84. All right, well, we'll come back. we got plenty left to get to. we get the Best Bets and wrap it up. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Edge on VSN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of The Edge is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen America's number one nicotine pouch is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zen. So head on over to zen.com find to Locate a store near you that is zyn.com slash find. Warning product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. All right. So, really quick update uh, over at the Honda Classic, just to give you the leaders through the first round here. Uh, looks like it's going to be a fun tournament because uh, the wind is whipping. The greens are challenging. A lot of these guys have had some rough putts that have not gone down. Kurt Kitayama is actually your leader right now. He is 600. He's in the clubhouse. shoots first round 64. And Rory Sabatini in only what I can assume is an outfit that Matt Eumann's approved of, which was a top hat that was white and a Hawaiian shirt. Five under, along with Daniel Berger, who's still out on the course at uh, – 16 right now. So we'll see if that uh, Daniel Berger can maybe take the outright lead by the time he gets to the clubhouse. But good conditions for the most part. The wind was somewhat challenging. And it's, like I said, a lot of these guys had some trouble with some of the greens. Namely, a guy like Brooks Kepka, who left a couple of putts on the air uh, on the green. Two under so far through the first round. He is done with his day. Shot a 68 first round. And uh, some other names that are worth mentioning. Uh, let's see. I took a little shot on Ricky Fowler. He got the three under, and I was like, oh, boy, here we go. I was going to text Matt Humans. I was like, your boy Ricky's tearing it up. Uh, well, after going three under, he actually bogeyed three consecutive holes, and so he is even through the day <laughs> for the day through 14. So we'll see uh, if this maintains itself. But as Matt Humans and others always say, you can never win a tournament on the first day, but you sure can lose it. And there are quite a few guys, including Matthew Wolf, who is right now in dead last at nine over par through 14. Probably not going to make it into the weekend. All right, best bets. Recap from Wednesday. College basketball, good day. Duke minus five. Uh, a very good game against Virginia, actually. Back and forth the whole way, really competitive. Uh, ultimately, though, Duke allows Virginia to get an offensive rebound and then a board, or excuse me, an offensive rebound and then a putback, and then ultimately on free throws, they do not cover this number. But Providence minus one versus Xavier in triple overtime. Um, it was a fun game. I will say, by about like two minutes into uh, the three or third overtime, I was like, all right, if this goes to a fourth overtime, I'll take whatever result. Can we just get this thing to be over with? Uh, no, Providence was great. Ultimately wins again. And again, uh, have a matchup with Creighton, but a good point by Jim. Uh, Blue Jays losing a key member of their team. So this weekend, we touch and go, see what that number's going to be. And then Wyoming covering the six and a half by the hook, losing to Colorado State by six in what I can only assume was a good game, but it was also on CBS Sports Network, so we didn't get to see it because Providence and Xavier went to triple overtime. Uh, NBA, 
Let's go to the association for tonight. Two games for the resumption of play in the NBA. First off, we talked a little bit about this. Uh, Pistons plus seven versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. Cavaliers do not have Karis LeVert tonight. Cavaliers do not have Darius Garland. And I have to say, too, by the way, um, Darius Garland's been dealing with this back injury for a while now. He was in and out of the lineup before the All-Star break, participated in All-Star weekend, and is out today with the same back issue. So maybe don't participate in the skills competition or whatnot, although it is a pretty big honor to participate in All-Star weekend. So um, it is somewhat troubling, I would say, that this back issue continues to pop up. And for Levert, it was a foot sprain that was pretty sudden all of a sudden that uh, popped him up on the injury report. So, again, lingering issues for both guys. We'll see if that uh, holds them back. But ultimately, without two of your best offensive players and really your two only ball handlers, I think it's going to be a pretty good spot for the Pistons. And then let's talk a little at length about Timberwolves and Grizzlies. And this just was a, a number grab for me. The market has moved in that direction. It's down to one and a half. So let's go back because I don't think it's that surprising that the Grizzlies, one of the best ATS teams in the NBA, you know, get support on a night-to-night basis. But what is surprising to me is getting support to the degree in which they did today. Because this number got to as high as three this morning before coming back down to this one and a half where we're at right now. And to give you an idea of this, Two November contests, the Grizzlies closed minus four and a half at home, plus two and a half on the road. They got blown out on the road to Minnesota. When these two teams met on January 13th, the Grizzlies closed minus four. That would leave you to believe uh, that on a neutral, because home court this year has panned out to be worth about two points, that the Grizzlies are only about two points better on a neutral. And these two teams have been very competitive with one another. Grizzlies do lead the regular season series 2-1. But, of course, one of those wins, for those who don't remember, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves were catching six, forced overtime on a desperation heave from Carl Anthony Towns, only to lose by seven in that game. Uh, but, again, just two relatively even matched teams. And yet here we are. Not only did the Grizzlies open up one-point favorite on the road, but get bet up to three. So, to me, it was just kind of a number grab here. These two teams, when they met, were pretty evenly matched. At one point, power rating-wise, were only one half, one, two points better than each other on the neutral, and that would be the Grizzlies who were better. So I just don't believe that a Timberwolves team that since they last played Memphis are eighth in net rating, third in offensive efficiency, got three points worse than the Memphis Grizzlies. So it's going to be a fascinating matchup. Two teams that go up and down the floor. You can tell by the total as well. It's really high. Uh, the Grizzlies, of course, really good in terms of offensive rebounding. Not so much for the Minnesota Timberwolves. So it's a pretty good matchup, but it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. And potentially, too, by the way, if the Memphis Grizzlies can catch up with the Golden State Warriors and if the Minnesota Timberwolves can grab the first play-in spot, um, a 2-7 series preview because these two could actually go into a best of seven. Imagine that. Before the season, if I told you, you can get a potential 2-7 matchup between the Memphis Grizzlies and the Minnesota Timberwolves in the Western Conference. All right, so those are the two plays. Pistons plus seven, Timberwolves plus two and a half up in the column this morning. Uh, make sure you check those out, vcin.com slash JVT. With that, two games to talk about later tonight at length. Actually, no, we discussed one of them already. Let's go to Denver and Sacramento really quickly because we didn't discuss this really yet, and this is the last one we haven't spent a lot of time on. So since the trade acquisition of DeMontis Sabotis and others, the Sacramento Kings, uh, pretty average, right? Outscored by 0.8 points per 100 possessions. Offense shows flashes of brilliance, though, and I think that's pretty interesting, right? Against Minnesota, against Washington, offensive ratings respectively of 125 and 126. So it's, I think it's, it's pretty... It's plausible that you come into this matchup and the Kings who are catching points at home are actually pretty competitive here against Denver because Denver, while they've been great offensively, I mean, look at this tear for Jokic. In the last 17 games before the break, Jokic averaged 27 points, 13 rebounds, and 10 assists. And, of course, over that stretch, Nuggets, 118.2 points per 100 possessions, but have only outscored opponents through those 17 games by 3.5 points per 100 possessions because their defense has not been very good. 114.7, the defensive rating over that stretch. So I think when you come into this, 
Seems like on the surface it would be a competitive and high-scoring affair between these two teams. And where this is going to be won and lost, of course, as it always is with the Denver Nuggets, is going to be those bench minutes when Jokic hits um, when, when Jokic hits his floor, right? Or excuse me, when Jokic uh, leaves the floor, because as we know, Jokic on the floor, net rating of about plus ten point four. Jokic off the floor, net rating of negative fourteen. This is a terrible team without Nikola Jokic out there. And in those minutes in which he is resting, that's where the Kings can really make up the difference potentially or, or even you know take the lead, win this game, whatever it is. So tend to think five's a little high. But the story big picture here for the Denver Nuggets, as I kind of talked about earlier this week, mentioned on the podcast, and tomorrow we'll have a new episode with Chad Andrews out of Denver. Uh, the, uh, the rumors and the rumblings are that Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. are returning soon. Uh, within the next two weeks, three weeks, potentially, that would give you about four or five weeks, depending on when they come back, to get their legs under them and get ready for the postseason. And in a wide-open Western Conference that all of a sudden has the Phoenix Suns without Chris Paul, has the Golden State Warriors, who are perfectly average at this point, as a Memphis Grizzlies team that is young and inexperienced as the third overall seed right now. Uh, the Denver Nuggets, who looked like, I thought, a finals contender last year with everybody out on the floor, all of a sudden, they can get a lot more dangerous if those two come back and all of a sudden get about a month to get ready for the postseason. That's why I bet them at 16-1 to to win the Western Conference um, about two days ago or so. So we'll see what happens over the next few weeks. Now, having said that, they're going to go out to Sacramento and get their butts handed to them. But uh, I'll get more worried if they start getting their you-know-what's handed to them once the two guys come back. With that, let's talk a little college hoops. Um, it's a good slate tonight. We touched on a lot of it. If you missed out on our conversation with uh, Jim Root, you can watch all of it up on vsin.com. Go to vsin.com slash podcast. You want to listen on your own accord as well. But wanted to bring up a couple of things here, namely some road teams, because I always thought, you know, Auburn's a really good example of this, right? Auburn has not been a very good team on the road this season in terms of ATS standpoint, right? They've been winning games, but we've seen them fall flat on their face, namely that game against Florida last weekend, which they lose outright. And I've always wondered how road success translates to success on neutral courts because you're not playing at home. It is a neutral, right? It's not true home environments and true home environments in college basketball. They're worth a lot, right? That argument can be made a team like Texas Tech where they play in Lubbock. Their home court is worth uh, about four points, maybe even a little bit more. Uh, but as Steve Mackinnon put together, we have some of the best road teams, some of the worst road teams, five power conference teams to win at least 66.7% of their road games in the final two weeks of the regular season since 2017. Virginia, 7-0 straight up, 5-2 ATS. Oregon, 9-2 straight up, 6-4-1 ATS. Uh, Kentucky, 6-3. Straight up, but four and five ATS. Purdue six and three straight up, four and five ATS. Kansas six and three, four four and one against the spread. You can find all these numbers and a lot more, by the way, in Point Spread Weekly. And then you have again highlighting in this uh, article power conference teams that hit the home stretch worst on the road. And some of these teams have a lot of road games left down the stretch here. But like Pittsburgh, zero and ten straight up, uh, four and six ATS. Boston College, zero and ten straight up, one five and four ATS. Nebraska, zero and eleven, two and nine. ATS. Some of these teams aren't really tournament teams, but I think really when you look down as you move forward, as all these games are going to be played on neutrals, whether it's conference tournaments or some of these teams who move on to NCAA tournaments, how road struggles uh, translate to playing in some of these high leverage neutral games. So we'll see if that's actually something or if it's maybe nothing. Auburn flames out early. Maybe we'll have an indication. All right. Uh, we're all done. Go to vcin.com slash podcast. Check out everything we have to offer and everything you missed on this show. Until then, enjoy my guys in the desert. We'll be back tomorrow. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is 
finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.